This is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick podcast. I wanted to invite our listeners, who we call Mavericks, to the Renew Energy Holiday Party. It'll be on Thursday, December 5th, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. in Hudson Hall in Jersey City. We'll also be celebrating the 50th episode of the Solar Maverick podcast, and we appreciate you making it one of the most popular podcasts in solar. The cost to attend the event is $10, and food will be served. Also, our co-hosts, for the podcast, Suzanne Waters and Lee Wang will also be there and some of the guests that we've interviewed on previous podcasts. We're going to have more information about the holiday party in the notes of the podcast, and I hope to see you at Hudson Hall on Thursday, December 5th. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks. I've been going to SPI the past seven or eight years, and it's amazing to me how the conference is just getting bigger and bigger. I mean, I was blown away with how many people are exhibiting. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangent, so let's get into it. Welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast. I'm your host, Benoit Thangent, and I'm excited to have our guest today. She is Allison Roars. She's a senior renewable energy project manager at SWCA. Welcome. Allison to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Benoit. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, we're actually here at SPI. If you don't know, it's Solar Power International. It's in Salt Lake City. And we're actually at SWCA's offices here in Salt Lake City. So I really appreciate you guys hosting us here for the podcast. And thank you for being a guest on the show. Absolutely. So happy to be here. Yeah, so it's interesting because Allison actually listens to the podcast and actually reached out to Suzanne Waters, who works for Renew Energy, and she also co-hosts a lot of the podcast episodes. So it's great to meet Allison. We actually never have met in person, and actually she was nice enough to invite me to SWCA's happy hour on Monday. So we got to meet face-to-face, and she has an amazing background when what she does She recently actually started working at SWCA, and she focuses on providing technical and policy expertise on solar and other renewable energy projects. She supports renewable energy land development teams. She also continues to grow SWCA's renewable business opportunities. We love to interview different people in the industry, and we actually have never talked about permitting. So I'm really excited because Allison is going to provide like a high-level overview of what to look for in permitting. And we try to, on the podcast, the Solar Maverick podcast, have a lot of different perspectives in the industry and people who focus on different things because we feel like for the listeners and even for ourselves, me as the host and our other co-hosts, we learn a lot from doing these interviews. And if you don't know much about SWCA, since 1981, SWCA has helped public and private clients overcome environmental challenges and move their projects forward. They work together to understand the full cycle of any project from inception to completion. Allison actually has an amazing background and she probably could talk about her background a lot better than I could talk to it, but she's been in the energy industry for nearly 10 years with unique and diverse work experience that spans operations and maintenance of electric wind generators, renewable energy site development, energy policy research and community outreach. For my brief time, 
spending with Allison. She's very high energy. She's very passionate about the renewable energy industry. And it was very interesting too, to hear how you would go on top of turbines and you've been trained as, I guess you were a large corrective planner and O&M technician with Gamesa Wind. And it was really interesting to hear your whole background. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. It would be great to know more about your background, what got you interested in renewable energy? Sure. Yeah, we can definitely start there. So I started my career in natural resources, actually working on different national wildlife refuges and national parks out west. I've always just had like this appreciation for being outside. So I wanted to have a career where I could spend some time outside and be able to appreciate the environment. So I worked in environmental education for a few years and I started to feel like I kind of wanted a more technical background, but I didn't know exactly what to do. And it's funny because I actually, on one of your other podcasts, you interviewed somebody and they talked about how they read National Geographic and that had inspired them. And that is like my exact same story. Interesting. Wow. (laughs) So there was an article in National Geographic about being a wind turbine technician. And this was a time I was just, it'd been a couple of years working actually in Grand Teton National Park Loved it. Great opportunities there, but ready to do something different. And I read this article and I was like, that's it. That's what I have to do. (laughs) I I have to climb these wind turbines. So actually, I found a six-month technician training program, signed up. And right as I graduated, I was hired and uh, moved back to the East Coast to Pennsylvania to be a wind turbine technician. So I climbed uh, turbines doing operation and maintenance for about a year or so on Mm -hmm. different sites in Pennsylvania. And then I joined the large corrective team and got to travel a bit, which was so awesome, just traveling all over the US doing large corrective. So anytime we needed to bring in a high capacity crane and take off a blade, trade out a gearbox, generator, transformer, and that was a really exciting and cool opportunity. Oh, that sounds amazing. You've done it all. (laughs) I was a technician, did that for two years or so, and then I was ready to go back to school. And I found a program at Penn State. They They have an energy and mineral engineering program perfect fit for me. So I got accepted into that. And uh, I took about a year off to work on that. And then while I was still pursuing that, I got hired at a small nonprofit called the Institute for Energy. It's based out of St. Francis University, which is Mm -hmm. kind of in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, but a super beautiful rural campus. And I worked on all different renewable energy projects in the area, focused a lot on helping farmers and small businesses develop renewable energy projects, worked with a ton of landowners, really got kind of the first feel for how these projects are developed. I also worked on a bunch of really neat policy research. We took a look at how Pennsylvania state game lands and state parks and forests had been developed for oil and gas and denied all renewable projects. So that was sure. really interesting. That kind is of that really policy interesting. And how that kind of affects developing projects in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I'm very well versed in that as if anybody has any <laughs> issues with dealing with the Game Commission or DCNR on their projects, definitely reach out. We also, we built a tiny house, which was really cool. Oh, you cool. were telling me about that. Yeah, yes. So it's this little like you see those shows, the tiny house shows on sure. TV, HGTV has them. So we built this tiny house and we put solar panels on it that actually worked and they ran all the appliances inside the home. And it was mobile, so we took it all across the state and actually got people exposed to solar, showed them exactly how it worked. And it was such a great opportunity because 
even on cloudy days or days it was raining, we could show people, hey, we're still making electricity here. And that's really powerful when you're talking to a community that has only seen coal for the last hundred years of their their life. And so Definitely. exposing them to this technology firsthand was a really cool and valuable for the communities, I think. So. Yeah, that's amazing. The value that you're adding and educating the community yeah. and obviously the energy transition is going to happen in Pennsylvania and yeah. it's exciting and that's amazing. Yeah. So I did just a ton of really neat projects that had to do with developing solar and wind projects in Pennsylvania specifically, sure. but I'm definitely experienced in most of the PJM territory, territory. now. So uh -huh. I was there for almost seven years. It was a great place to work. I loved working there and I was just ready for a change. And yes. I recently started working as a senior renewable energy project manager here at SWCA and I'm loving it. Great company to work for. Yeah, definitely. That sounds amazing. And I guess you're based in their Pittsburgh office for SWCA. Yep, yep. And what made you transition? What attracted you to come to SWCA after being at St. Francis, right? Yeah. For seven years. So the job description really had a lot of what I was already doing listed in it. So I felt comfortable like that I could easily handle mm -hmm. it, but it also expanded. It kind of broadened my horizons, I guess, Definitely. and made me really have to focus my expertise on some of the surrounding states. And I was looking for a challenge like that. So sure. I was really excited to join that team. And so far, it's been really well. Oh, that's great to yeah. hear. And then can you tell me more about SWCA than I mentioned? Yeah. It would be really helpful, I think, for our listeners to learn more about SWCA and the great work that you and your team are doing. Yeah, absolutely. So SWCA is a nationwide environmental consulting firm. And we provide many different services such as natural and cultural resource assessments, surveys, as well as other land development services. So this podcast is also being about an entrepreneur. Yes. So I want to throw in this little side note that SWCA stands for Stephen W. Carruthers. And he started this company in the 80s by himself, and his first office was in the closet of his friend's photography studio. <laughs> He's an amazing entrepreneur because now here we are, 1,100 employees, 32 different offices across the United States. So if we want to talk about successful entrepreneurship, I think that our company kind of totally embodies that. Definitely. And it's amazing to hear his story and learn about him. And that's great because our listeners love to hear about entrepreneurship as well as a listener to the podcast. And anyone I feel like in the solar renewable energy space is an entrepreneur in their own way. Definitely. Because it's unique, even when you're within a company, mm -hmm. you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you're doing a lot of things that mm -hmm. have never been done before. Yeah. And you have to be extremely creative, yeah. obviously work with the team, come up with new ideas. Mm -hmm. and and you're making impact. So that's amazing to hear. And as, especially as a consulting company, yeah, too. Yeah, they've been around for so long and just constantly growing at a very consistent pace. And yeah. You mentioned creativity, and our tagline is actually sound science, creative solutions. Oh, and wow. And I love that. And actually, yeah, that was a amazing. piece that kind of lured me Attracted into the company, to, yes. to the company because I would definitely say I come from a very scientific background. I have a master's in engineering, but I'm also a very creative person. Definitely. So I love 
love the kind of that tagline. I think it really embodies kind of the work that we do. Yeah, that's amazing. And by the way, this was not pre-planned, no. <laughs> like me saying the whole thing about creativity, but it's interesting getting to know Allison and SWCA since Monday and it's now Wednesday in the conference, even though it seems like two weeks already yeah. since when we first <laughs> met, just because how packed and busy it's been. So that's amazing to hear about SWCA's story. Yeah. And I'm excited because we're talking about permitting. It's something that we haven't talked about on the podcast. Mm -hmm. We try to get a range of different people in different parts of the industry. It would be great for you to talk about what is permitting and why is it important for specifically like solar energy projects. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me this question because it definitely made me stop because we get so kind of caught in like caught up with what we're doing every day. This kind of made me stop and be like, okay, let's define permitting. That's a great place (laughs) to start. So the federal government and the state governments are tasked with protecting our air, our land, our water, our cultural resources. And they do this through different regulations. So like every other industry, solar development is regulated to ensure that the construction and the operation of our project is going to have little to no adverse impacts on the area where it's located. Sure. So as an industry, I think that we should be and we we are in the business of doing good things for the environment. I hope that other companies agree with me on that. And I think regulation kind of ensures that that's actually the case and that's what's happening for these projects. Before you can build any sort of large-scale solar project, you have to comply with these regulations and you need to have approval from the state and federal agencies of where the project is located. And you get this approval through a permit. Definitely. So most of the permits that you're going to need for your solar project will be issued by your state or local regulatory agency. And you'll first start by trying to identify any cultural resources, natural resources, and potential land disturbances that your project might have. And so our company, SWCA, can actually provide all this information in a CIA, and then we can actually even provide further follow-up surveys and analyses based on the CIA's findings. Interesting. Can you talk more about what is cultural resources? And then not all our listeners as well are familiar with the acronyms you mentioned. Okay, CIA. Sure. Yeah. So it a could CIA- be thought of some, as another right, central right. intelligence oh, yeah, that's agency. A good point. <laughs> <laughs> so a CIA is a critical impact analysis. So this is where we're just taking kind of a high level look at your project and trying to identify any natural or cultural resources, red flags. Also trying to look at maybe any permitting other local ordinance permitting red flags that your project might have based on its location. So like I said, it's more of a, like a high level assessment of like those potential roadblocks that your site might encounter to be developed. So for, on the cultural resources side, we can start there. Cultural resource assessments are looking for any evidence of past human history. Mm-hmm. So this could be a historic structure, buildings, artifacts, or any other items of archeologic importance. In our initial CIA, we will first identify any regulatory requirements unique to that project's location, and then we'll take a look at the presence of any other major important archaeologic sites, historic buildings, structures, anything like that that would fall within the project area. So we kind of do this to identify these impacts. We can perform a desktop analysis of that area um, to locate those potential impacts. So we get this data from this. Well, this data is actually usually very state specific. And so we get GIS layers provided by the state's historic preservation office or sometimes called SHPO. You might have heard that before. Sure. I think it's important to note that 
these SHPOs are not regulatory agencies themselves, so they're not the one that's going to issue the permit for your project. They're simply going to give guidance to the permitting agency, like in Pennsylvania, it's DEP, on how to mitigate any sort of cultural resource Mm -hmm. impacts that your project might have. Great. That's really helpful. This episode of the Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Podcast Laundry, the podcast concierge service that I use to make sure that my listeners hear the best quality show. They do the dirty work of podcasting for me. Yes, graphics, quotes, show notes, master editing, and much more. All I have to do is record. So if you're a busy podcaster like me with an engaged audience and want to free up time to do more of what you'd love to do, like going to the gym or spending time with loved ones, go to podcastlaundry.com to schedule your consultation or call 347 7118273 that's podcastlaundry.com or 3478718273 thank you you also mentioned as well with permitting it's about natural resources i know you talked about cultural can you go into more detail about natural resources i sure can on the natural resources side we're looking for a bunch of different ways that the project might impact any wetlands, streams, threatened or endangered species, habitats, things like that on the project. And natural resources is very, very similar to cultural resources in the aspect that it's super location specific, super state specific, right? So all these different states have their own regulations and have their own way to issue permits. And so it really depends on what state you're in, but this is kind of a basic, what each state is probably going to look for. Look at for sure. So the first thing, the wetlands and streams, we're looking to evaluate any streams or wetlands that might be within the site's boundaries. This is, again, done on like a desktop survey and performed within like a CIA analysis that we would do for a client. But sometimes our developers and our clients want to go straight into a wetland delineation because they already know that this project has those features or they just want to get a head start to the game. And so delineation is where we can send a crew out to actually identify these streams, put them on a map and have that kind of ready to go for the permitting later on. That makes sense. Yeah, so we identify these streams and wetlands and then we'll send this information back to the developer with suggestions on how to maybe redesign the project to avoid those wetlands and streams because avoidance is the number one solution. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you don't want to have to. Lot yeah, but <laughs> if you absolutely can't avoid the project, you'll have to mitigate it with like a fill. You'll have to fill it in and if you want to fill it in, then you'll have to work with a federal agency, usually the Army Corps of Engineers, and that gets a lot trickier, a lot more time intensive, a lot more cost prohibitive. So definitely we advise a lot of our clients to try to avoid at all costs. That makes sense. That's streams and wetlands. And then if we continue on natural resources permitting, then we're also looking for threatened and endangered species. So Again, desktop analysis, and the analysis can usually identify any state or federally listed threatened and endangered species on the property. And if you happen to get a hit, so like if you have a tat there or there's known endangered species there, then you have to initiate a consultation with specific agency that regulates that endangered species. Sure. And that gets really tricky too. So like in Pennsylvania, we have a ton of different regulatory agencies that are involved with this part of the permitting. It could be DCNR, Department of Conservation Natural Resources, the PA Fish and Boat Commission's involved, the Game Commission's involved, Mm -hmm. and very likely the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service gets involved too. So you have state and federal agencies to kind of coordinate with there, and it definitely it's a lot of work. The permitting process is not 
typically a simple kind of sign it and go. I think the biggest thing that you should get out of this permitting podcast would be (laughs) that you should start these processes early because they take time and they take a lot of energy and sometimes they can stop a project. Very commonly, they can stop a project if something is found. And so we definitely recommend getting going on that at the very beginning of your, after you've ID'd a great parcel of land, you've got a great landowner you're working with, it's got super awesome interconnection, get right onto your environmental and cultural resources assessments. Definitely. I think that's huge because I see a lot of developers who just assume that the project will go through with permitting and then they invest a lot more into the project Mm -hmm. instead of doing the preliminary, as you said, environmental and natural resources. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really key for developers. Once you have the arrangement with the landowner, as you mentioned, close to an interconnection point, Mm and some sort of site engineering and technical and financial feasibility. The next huge part of it is the permitting aspect and see yeah. that it would be approved. So yeah, this is really, really helpful. Awesome. You focused on natural and cultural resources, and you mentioned how those are the two primary. Are there other things that solar developers or developers in general should be aware of when they're going through the permitting process? Yeah, definitely. They're the land disturbance permits, sometimes called the NIPTES permits. NIPTES stands for the National Pollutant Discharge Elimination System. <laughs> I appreciate you yes. defining the acronym. <laughs> <laughs> the NIPTES permit program was created back in the 70s through sure. the Clean Water Act. So it's a federal regulation. It helps address water pollution that might be caused from your solar project that you're developing. So like I said, yeah, this is a federal regulation, but it's typically authorized and carried out through your local DEP, DEQ, your environmental folks at Definitely. the state level. Permits are required on projects disturbing more than one acre. So that's something to definitely keep in mind. I'm not sure if that's Pennsylvania only, though. Yes. Sometimes a very Pennsylvania De- specific. Focus, sure. but So don't quote me on that definitely. one. But solar site specific characteristics will ultimately determine like the best management practices for erosion control and like post-construction stormwater management. And so NIFTES is kind of addresses the stormwater management and sediment control requirements by the federal government. Sure, that makes the sense. The least exciting ones to do. Yeah. These permits actually usually need to be, not always, but sometimes more often than not, need to be completed by a state licensed professional engineer. So yeah. they can take a lot of work as well. Sure. The permitting process can be very arduous and take up a lot of your project time. So definitely would say get started early so you're ready for that. And be definitely. prepared that you might run into issues. I've worked with a lot of developers at St. Francis and before that, they want to get things done quickly, right? And I think just going into this process, knowing that it can take some time and that there's a lot of unknowns on the local level permitting side, you have to kind of be prepared to have a little patience, Patience, I think. Yeah, this is really helpful. I appreciate you giving basically a permitting 101 on all the major things to focus on. And I think our listeners will find this extremely valuable. I know you mentioned who are like SWCA's ideal clients. It sounds like it's a lot of developers, utility scale, predominantly yeah. projects. Yeah. So as a company, we're working with a really broad group of clients, yes. actually. So we do work in air quality, cultural resources, ecological restoration projects. We have environmental planning and permitting projects. We do landscape architecture. We do so natural. Yeah. So yeah, we do a lot here at SWCA. But because we offer so many services, we're working with clients in the renewable energy field, obviously, but also 
also traditional energy industries, other power generation clients, transmission Mm -hmm. clients, and then federal, state, and local government organizations typically too. This is really helpful. We're going to actually transition because it's interesting to me when we met Allison, you were talking about how you heard about the podcast through Garen. He's from Summit Ridge Partners or through someone. Yeah, it was through someone that knew some, yeah, I I honestly can't remember who it was specifically, but it was like someone, a friend of a friend of a friend pretty much knew about the podcast and I checked it out and here I am today. Yeah, definitely. How has it, I mean, obviously we're not finished with the interview, but I know you mentioned that you listen to a lot of the podcasts when you're driving, how is it to actually be on a podcast? I was very excited to meet Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think my colleagues were probably wondering why like, I thought like Justin Timberlake had just walked into the building <laughs> yeah. when he came in. <laughs> uh, wow. Comparison to Justin Timberlake, I don't know what to say. <laughs> he, he definitely got some celebrity treatment when I met him. I was, yeah, it was really great to meet you, Benoit, in person. Like you said, maybe a little surreal because I listen to your voice all the time. I listen to the podcast. I commute a lot, always in the car, always traveling. And I love the podcast because it makes that travel time actually productive for me. So that's fantastic and I'm obviously a big fan of the podcast and it was so awesome to meet you in person. Yeah, definitely. And Allison actually reached out to Suzanne. So if you're ever interested in potentially being on a guest on the podcast, uh, a lot of people do reach out to us. And if you're interested, the best way is info at renewenergy.com, which will be in the notes, R-E-N-E-U energy.com. And we have interviewed several people who've been referred to us or have reached out to us directly. And that's been interesting because usually most of the people in the podcast I've actually known on a prior sort of basis, except one or two people who were actually referred and they're great interviews. And I think it's amazing to hear about your background and about SWCA and the great work that you guys are doing and your passion for renewable energy. And it's amazing for me to hear a lot of people within the solar community who listen to the podcast and say it has an impact and they're listening to it while they run or drive. And it's surreal for me, actually, as well, we were talking about this before at the solar conference, how many people come up to me and recognize me from the podcast art picture, or even they hear my voice and they could recognize it. So it's a little surreal because I don't necessarily know the person, but it's been great and I'm glad it's having an impact and you think that it adds, adds value. So thank you and thank you for reaching out to Suzanne. Suzanne was extremely excited. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed I didn't get to meet Suzanne. I'm yeah. disappointed because I think we'd have a lot of fun things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hopefully you could meet Suzanne soon. We're actually having a holiday party the first week in December in Jersey City. She'll be there. You know, unfortunately, there was something that came up that she wasn't able to come to SPI this year, but we're planning next year for her to come. And I know you said, Suzanne, here's like a kind of snippet of the email. (laughs) Allison, I hope it's okay for me to read. Hi, Suzanne, just wanted to introduce myself and tell you I love the Solar Maverick podcasts that you and Benoit do. Thanks again for the great podcast. It makes my commute productive. So it's funny because Suzanne sent me a subject line, fan mail. I'm so happy to me to get yeah. my attention. Well, I had titled mine to hers, fan mail. Oh, like, okay, I, that's I, why. Yeah, oh, I because, titled it fan mail. Oh, podcast yeah. fan mail slash introduction. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. She told me because she knows like I'm inundated with emails. Yeah. So like she wanted me to make sure to read it. And I'm glad you did. Yeah, definitely. And, and it happened very quickly then us meeting. And, and then I asked Allison to create an outline 
online so that I could see that it would be great content for the podcast. That's actually pretty normal where we ask people to then, if you're approaching us to to be on the podcast, can you give us an idea what you like to talk about? And she made a great outline about the podcast. So thank you. I think our listeners will find it very valuable. I guess this is your opportunity since I've been asking you a lot of questions. You could ask me two questions. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. So right now we're like at the base of the Wasatch Mountain Range. It's absolutely beautiful here in Salt Lake City. It's amazing. Yeah. The conference has been awesome. Really great. I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of like some of the clients I hadn't actually met face to face. And that's been a really great opportunity as well as there's some really good sessions going on. But I'm curious, what has been your favorite part about SPI this year? I've been going to SPI the past seven or eight years, and it's amazing to me how the conference is just getting bigger and bigger. I mean, I was blown away with how many people are exhibiting this year and how packed the convention center is. Unfortunately, I don't really get to walk the floor because I've actually been here since Sunday and been in meetings most of the time. But what's great for me is... I hear what's happening in the industry that maybe I might not know of. Also, everyone it feels like in the solar industry is here. I think there's probably over 20,000 people, not including everyone who's registered for the conference. It's absolutely packed. It's crazy. The city of Salt Lake has been taken over over by by solar lovers. Solar lovers. So for me, it's great to catch up with people that we work with and meet them in person. So I've been literally running from meeting to meeting. And then obviously with this podcast as well, a lot of people are coming up to me just randomly on the street. or Treating you like Justin Timberlake. (laughs) Asking me to take pictures with them. So it's a little surreal for me as well, but I'm glad that it's making impact, that we have a lot of people within the industry listening to it. And then I actually like Salt Lake. It's a great change. I know that there's been difficulties with people getting hotels and things being booked pretty quickly, but it's been amazing. Unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity to explore Salt Lake and I'm only here a brief time. You'll have to come back. I feel like towards Park City, it's just so beautiful up there. Lots of um, I know you're staying up in Park City. Yeah, I was one of the few that, or I guess one of the many that had (laughs) problems finding a hotel room with a 20,000 people influx that SPI brought this year. But I'm actually not complaining because it's so just beautiful up in Park City and I got to go on a really nice trail run this morning and my happy place is in the mountains so I'm definitely not complaining even a little bit. (laughs) Yeah definitely no that sounds amazing and it's a perfect time to be here in Salt Lake. It's been zero clouds in the sky 70 degree weather we had like literally the perfect weather here. Weather here yeah. yeah so it's been amazing. Do you have any other questions for me? or? Uh... Yeah, so I have been a fan of some of the books you've recommended in sure. the past. And I'm curious if you're reading any new good ones right now. Yeah, definitely. So it's interesting. We kind of came up with the Solar Maverick Book Club, usually episodes with Lee Wang, who's my other co-host. He's the director of marketing at Renew Energy. And one of the episodes with Suzanne, who's also the vice president of business development at Renew Energy. We've talked about different books, and it's amazing how many people have reached out to us about the books. And actually, there's a book that I'm in the process of reading that I've actually thought is pretty amazing. The author is Brendan Bruchard, and he basically has a book. It's called High Performance Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way. And then basically, he talks about the six high-performance habits that you would need to become a high performer 
And the section one is like personal habits. I could briefly go it's like seek clarity, generating energy, raise necessity, social habits, increasing productivity, developing influence, and demonstrating courage. So I actually found him on Instagram and I was blown away by his videos. And then I actually started reading his book and like that as well. And then I'm actually attending his first He's having an influencer conference two weeks from now in San Diego. It's about influencers teaching emerging influencers. Very interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty amazing. And some of the people who are going to be here is uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Tom Bilyeu from Impact Theory. I love his podcast. He's going to be speaking at that. Lewis Howes, who has a podcast called School of Greatness. I had the opportunity to meet Lewis at this podcasting conference, and I love his material. So definitely check out Brendan Bruchard, High Performance Habits. I know you were reading, I guess I love the Ryan Holiday book, The Obstacle is the Way. Oh, the ego is the enemy. Sorry, the ego is the enemy. Ego is the enemy, yes. Yes, That one kind you suggested that one on a previous podcast, and I don't read, I listen. Listen to me too. I listen to as well on Audible. Yeah, Audible's awesome. So that gets me through some of my commutes as well, but I've found that one super interesting. Yeah, and I, I know I was excited to tell you that he's coming out. Ryan Holiday is coming out with a new book next month in October called Stillness is the Key. <laughs> I'll have to get on that one too. Although Ego is the Enemy is over, what, seven hours? It's a really long book. It's a very long I'm book. I'm not fully through it yet, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and it's amazing. Ryan Holiday on that Ego is the Enemy, it basically takes concepts of Stoicism and Marcus Aurelius, who's one of the big writers of Stoicism. He was a Roman emperor and And it was interesting. I know I mentioned this on the podcast as well, that Bill Belichick, and I know you're a Patriots fan. Yep, yep. That's actually what grabbed me when you're like, Bill Belichick made his team read it, right? The whole team to read Ego is the Enemy. Yeah. And so I thought that was surreal. Even though I'm a Giants fan, I actually (laughs) like the Patriots because Bill Belichick actually was the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants where we won two Super Bowls. So you can get on board with that. I can get get on board with that. I like Tom Brady (laughs) and it's amazing to see what they've done. And it was interesting, actually, Ryan Holiday posted a video. He spoke at the Cleveland Browns. He spoke to the players and gave uh, three of his books. And to me, I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but I really think ego is the enemy. Yeah. After reading that book, it's really our own personal ego that holds us back from our success and mm-hmm. to try to see things clearly mm-hmm. because we're all biased towards our perspective. Totally. And the less ego that you have, I believe you could learn from every single person. So I'm always it might not seem like it. I'm always observing things and then like trying to learn from Mm -hmm. everyone because there's so much you could learn from everyone. I totally agree. Totally agree. And I love that book. It's a good reminder to stay humble. And there's like, what, how many people are there on the world? On the planet. planet. I think Uh, it's like 15 billion or something. Maybe. Yeah, that would probably be like 15 billion people on earth. And we all have our own problems and are all dealing with our own agendas and to do lists. And it's I think important to kind of step back and realize how unimportant we all are and kind of lose that ego. And I think it kind of opens up your perspective to the world and changes the way you see things. Yeah, definitely. Allison, actually, as of April 2009, it's projected that we have 7.7 billion people. 7.7 billion. Okay, so it was like off 
off by... But that's still pretty close. I had no idea. I know there's 350 million people in the US. But I think that's another key point. Actually, this is another thing. Everyone's going through something. Yeah. And you don't know necessarily what people are going through. So I believe like as well, treating people with kindness. Totally. Not being judgmental, which as a society, I think maybe people are judgmental and they don't necessarily understand what someone's going through. So just like, obviously, if someone is being rude to you or or negative, (laughs) it could be most of the time what they're dealing with in their own life. It's not a direct reflection of your interaction with that person. Absolutely. And I think that ego is the enemy just kind of reinstills those those theories and ideas. And it's kind of a nice thing to chill out and listen to after work. Yeah, definitely. So this has been an amazing podcast, Allison. I really appreciate your time. If people wanted to learn more about SWCA and get in contact with you, what's the best way that they could reach out to you? Sure, they could reach me by email. My email address is Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O. O-N dot Roars, R-O-H-R-S, at SWCA.com. And I'm happy to address any sort of questions or comments or suggestions. Would love to see if this podcast kind of opens up some new opportunities for us. Great. Yeah. And we'll have Allison's email on the notes of the podcast. And thank you again. It'll probably be surreal for you when you listen to it in your car. Probably. <laughs> uh, you know, listening to the Solar Maverick and you being on the podcast. And we appreciate you taking the initiative. And I appreciate everything you've done in the renewable energy sector and your passion for it and keep doing what you're doing. And I'm excited about this new opportunity. And it sounds like it'll increase like the impact and value that you're adding to the community. So thank you for your work. Yeah, thank you so much, Benoit. This has been an awesome experience and opportunity. So really appreciate it. And hopefully look forward to working with you more in the future. We're both in Pete, like we're actually not too far away from each other. Yeah, definitely. It's very close. And we focus on PGM. And we're looking in Pennsylvania because we think Pennsylvania is one of the next big markets for solar. So hopefully our paths will cross again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at reneuenergy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangin and Kevin Y. Brown.